Why don't I turn down the volume a little so I can actually be heard over the music? And uh, let's, <laughs> we're going to get ready to get started, guys. And we're uh, we're back. Keen's back. We're back together, and let's get going. Alan, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's it's great. I'm doing good, relaxing, just just having a blast. And the most important thing is that our weather's been improving, which I like. I like it. It's still cold. Hopefully, we're not that far away where we can start having barbecues and start having opportunities to go outside to enjoy fresh air or walk, do whatever outside. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm also excited that I'm about a couple weeks away from graduating. So, but it's not over yet. That's the good thing. I keep it one step at a time until is complete. That's all it takes, man. You got to get going and you got yeah. don't 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 worry about it too much. Don't sweat. Yeah, I know. It. I know. I'm excited about that. <laughs> all things end with time. Unfortunately, yes. that's just how it goes. Yeah. But uh But yeah, so you know, we, there's a lot happening in the sports world right now, especially with this whole uh, war invasion going on with Ukraine and Russia. Um, it's not a fun situation. Yeah, it isn't. It's, it's, it's what happens when sports and politics mix in together. It creates a lot of chaos and also a lot of consequences. Like we've seen history, what happens when you decide to do something, sport the sports world gets is affected by it. And and it's no no exception to this, even in today's world. No, there is not, and that's just how it is, and it's gonna be that way for a while. Yeah, I I definitely do agree with that. I have no doubt doubt about that, not one bit. So, but yeah, and so I think, you know, the most recent news, Alan, that you sent me that I know of for sure is, and you know a lot more on it, but the U- United Kingdom government, let's see if I can do say that five times fast without, you know, tripping over it, but uh, the United Kingdom government, they have started to put uh, sanctions on Ibrahimovic, the owner of the Chelsea Football Club there in uh, Chelsea. And there's some ramifications. So let's go through it and uh, figure it all out. Yeah, let's go right right through it. All right, Alan, let's, uh, why don't we pull it up? We'll share the screen. I'll share this, download the image and share the screen. But while I'm doing that, why don't you just uh, set the stage for us? And this is- All right, just to give a background on what happened. As soon as the whole invasion happened, Roman Abrahimovic announced he was selling the team. He was actually selling it. He's selling it voluntarily. He's not like, oh, I'm pressured to sell because my country is invading Ukraine. No, it has part of it, you could say, but a lot of it, though, it has to do with him voluntarily. Hey, I'm selling the club. I am whoever wants the club. I need this amount. I think it was around... 2.2 2.2 billion approximately. And there has been some bidders, some, 
but the the United Kingdom government decided to freeze everything so he doesn't get any of that money back, which I, I'm iffy about. I don't, I don't know what's, what's that for. I don't know what's the purpose of it. But at the end of the day, I'll, he even mentioned, even if I don't get the money, I want to make sure that that money is given to, to the victims of the of the war and if that's if that's what he wants i have no problem with it that's what he wants to do and and as of so far chelsea is in in dire straits normally they've been in this situation before where they were they were bad because they were signing players under 18 to contracts where they shouldn't have but now, because of this, I don't know if they'll be able to recover. Right. Well, I'm pulling this up. Like, there's so much going on, really. And it's um, it's a lot. And people got to deal with that. And, uh, I mean, you hit all the main points, really. There's not, you know, they're... Chelsea's going to continue to play. So fans, don't worry about that. You know, they they just won't be able to, I guess, add to the team or stuff like that. And yeah. I think it's good that, you know, Ibrahimovic, he's got a lot going on towards Russia. I mean, being from there and all that. But, you know, when you talk to a lot of the Russians out there, they did not want this war. They did not want this to happen. They did not expect it to happen. I mean, Russian and Ukrainians are really close. A lot of them intermingle. There's a lot of familial ties to a lot of those place people out there. And so mm-hmm. for this kind of thing to just happen, seemingly for a lot of them out of the blue, it's it's really hard. But it's even harder, as you mentioned, for the Ukrainians. I mean, their their cities are getting bombed. A lot of them are living through a second war that in their homeland, having lived through World War II. So it's just it's it's hard. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely hard. It's also definitely a situation that even those that are they're they're in other places around the world, athletes around the world saying like, I wish I was fighting, but I can't because I'm here and I can't do anything about that. And that's the sad part. Like some of them have spoken out and said, hey, I would I would do everything to head back and help my countrymen, but I can't, I'm still, I'm playing here, but at least that to me shows that they're in it. They're in it to speak out and, but not just speak out, but they're also, Hey, I'm want to help my countrymen. And you don't hear that a lot in today's world. You just don't. And for them to say that I applaud that I really do. And, and hopefully that, this could end. And also for a lot of athletes that are playing in Ukraine, I would say that them getting out safely is the most important thing. And we've seen reports about how some of them, most of them got out. Some of them now will be able to sign with new teams immediately. They don't have to, oh, wait till the summer, transfer all of that. They, if they want to sign with the new team immediately, they can and that, I think, is also good for leaks to do that in circumstances like this. 
Yeah, I, I agree. That's the best part, you know. Um, people are understanding that this is hard on everybody, but athletes, they still want to play. They still want to, you know, do what they love, do their job, so to speak. And uh, people are out there giving them that chance, and I think that's great. Um, I actually didn't know about that part, Alan, that you just kind of helped me be more informed. Hold on as I fix my camera here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But but I think back back to the whole uh, Chelsea sale, like, to be honest, like, that sale, I don't know what's going to happen either because this is a team, ever since he took over in 2003, there have been nothing but success in the Premier League and, and even in the Champions League. Like, how, how he manages, his, how Roman does his teams, he knows that he's, they're looking to win. And, and, every, and winning, I think, in his stewardship, they have won, if I'm correct, five, five Premier – no, not five – They've won six Premier League titles under his ownership. They have won two Champions League titles. And they did it in their own way. They didn't do it copying Barcelona. They didn't copy Real Madrid or Manchester United. They copied their own way of being physical and and scoring with, with flair and a lot of passion, which... I think really with this cell, they might lose that identity that that we are we have been accustomed to seeing for the past 19, 20 years. And that that's what I'm afraid of. I don't know if you feel that way, but to me, watching this team for a long time, when you look at a Chelsea team, you know they're gonna be disciplined, they're gonna be hard at you, and they're not gonna take anything from anyone. They're looking to to get their win and move on. Yeah, and I think that identity change, Alan, I mean, I think that's inevitable with the new owner coming in. The new owner will have new goals. But mm-hmm. I think the owner will want – new owner will inevitably want success. And we have this proven method, and so things might adapt and change to how this guy wants things to go, his style, if you will. But overall, I think it's going to be – relatively the same at least for a while and then he'll slowly implement his changes i mean we're you know it, it it's all different depending on who who you talk to and how they feel about things like we're facing a similar situation in denver with the nfl uh, you know with a new owner coming in what will that mean for for the denver broncos um you know but so there's a whole lot going on there too but the main thing is Things will change. They always do, but it's how they, the team, the fan base, and overall the the staff with the team reacts to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to cause the team to succeed or fail once this new owner comes in. Because inevitably, the owner doesn't really do a whole lot with the team. He he sets out his goals. He sets out what he wants, and then he, as you would imagine, he expects his his staff, his team, the players to to uh, act that out and achieve all them. So uh, in the end, I don't think the owner is going to be, I mean, you have different owners. Some are far back, 
setbacks. Some are really involved. I mean, we look at that with the Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban's very involved. And so is Roman. He is very involved with Chelsea. He is. Like, no, there's no, like, if he, like, if there's something going on within the dressing room, he knows. He already knows it. So, like, he's one of those guys that, hey, like, like, he'll, He'll believe in you when you win and I'll keep it going. Haven't like there's been times where he's believed even when they're down, but a lot of times it happens where okay, and it's not working, it's not, it's not gonna work, you're out. So that's he's one of those guys that he knows what is going on with his team big time. No doubt about that. Exactly. And I think no matter what style of owner you get, the owner always knows what's going on with the team. I mean they're businessmen first. They know how to run a business and mm-hmm. they know how the business, what's going on at every level. So they don't know what's going on, but it's how they choose to react, how they choose to handle it, that that separates them. And everyone's got their style and we all, they all will be different. And I think the main thing with the work, the word with Chelsea is, if a new owner comes in, how quick do we see things get off the rails? Um, and what I mean by that is, will we see staff members fired, basically said, hey, you're not going to fit what I'm here, goodbye. Um, players are shipped out, and essentially Chelsea goes to the bottom of the barrel in the Premier League, or which, you know, they can't do, otherwise they get demoted But as a risk. But, like, it, it it's a worry. I mean, that's, that's what – and this new owner could come in and do. And as you look at that, that would be my worry as a fan. And while I'm not necessarily a fan of Chelsea, that would be, if I was a fan, that would be my biggest worry with all this going on, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll start with this. I think you're kind of a fan of Chelsea. It kind of looks like it a little bit. Oh, and why is that? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. I'm just saying. But... I agree. And here's the thing that I'm going to break down. They're like, they're with that happening. Here's the thing two players, contracts expire. Both defenders, one of them, Andreas Christensen from Denmark, has already a pre signed agreement with Barcelona. They're just working the final details, and it's more likely going to happen. Then there's Antonio Rüdiger from Germany who, same situation, but to Real Madrid. They're working some final details, which probably that will get done in the summer. Next year, the be- probably the, be- the best midfielder in the world, Nicolo Gante, his contract runs up. Then 2024, Christian Pulisic, his contract runs up. Then 2026, Romelo Lukaku, who they just got. His contract expires. So it's like you got all these players. Probably Lukaku gets you like four years. But Christensen, Rüdiger, Pulisic, I don't know how, how they could keep up. And then you also have the fact that the assets being froze. Now it's like how is Chelsea going to make it to games? But what Thomas Tuchel, their, their head coach, just mentioned that, hey, if we have to walk to the – to whatever stadium, we'll do it. And props to him for saying that. And I hope this is not deterred from 
whatever cup form either still competing in the Premier League, which it's the toughest soccer league in the world, the toughest. And also you have the fact that they're the defending champions, they're the defending champions of the Champions League. So it's not going to get easy from here. So it hopefully they can figure it out and and just go from there because they are a heck of a team. They 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 are built not just for the now but the future. But this could actually, and that's not the hope. It could have them start over again. But if a new owner comes in and says, "Hey, we're still gonna win and and all," then keep it going from there. No, exactly, and I. When you got so many decisions to make right off the bat as a new owner, you basically go in and you decide, okay, what's the core of this team? Who do I want to play? Yeah. Hey, essentially, do play for me here on this team, and then you go from there. Honestly, I think as a fan base and staff and everyone around, we look at it and we go, okay, Pulisic is probably one of the main members you want to keep around. Um, A couple of the other players that are younger that are going to be around for a while. You want to keep them around as well. So you got these decisions to make right off the bat as you come in as an owner, and that's got to be, uh, for lack of a better phrase, rough. I mean, you're either going to piss off the fan base or you're going to make them really happy with whatever you do. And, you know, as fans, we, we either love our owners or we hate them. Most of the time we hate them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship pretty much. So, and yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, unless we got more to say on this, Alan, I don't know a whole lot about the situation. So I've said what I feel like I can say on it. Yeah, I agree as well. There'll be more coming up. Uh, they're still, like like I said, they're still bidding. They're still, they probably will still negotiate. Probably they'll have to negotiate with, with the UK government. But still, at the end of the day, Chelsea, they'll, like whoever comes in, they have to understand that Chelsea is not, it's not uh, one of those cupcakes of the Premier League. It's a, a top team. It is one of the the big four of the Premier League, and you have to treat it as such. And you know you got a fan base that they expect to compete for championships. Like they're one of those clubs that you went to there. You got to lift the trophy, and that's what it's all about in, in Chelsea. Yeah, and it really is, and whatever this new owner does, he's either going to piss a lot of people off or he's going to gain the praise of a lot of people. And I don't know, I think that's a perfect seg- segue into this whole lockout situation that's been going on since, well, December of last year. Yeah, pretty much. Remember when I said, do not panic yet? <laughs> you should have listened to me. Yeah. So, but it happened. It <laughs> happened. Think about that. It happened. How do you feel about that? I mean, on the one hand, it's great. Baseball's back. I'm excited. We get to see the game we all love played. Once again, how we got there, more than ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Let's. Where do you want to start with it? Uh, let's see. Uh, the players were stupid before. Uh, you know, think they. You know, for um, 
being, yes, they were more in touch with us as fans and what they wanted, but when you also look at it, and yes, they, they throw the best in the world at what they do, they deserve to be paid for it, but they're also asking for ridiculously high contracts. Um, I mean, billionaire owners can afford to pay them anyway, but so they're, they're a little out of touch with that, I think. Um, with some of the money aspects, but it is what it is. Like you're the best at the in the world at what you do. You you deserve to get paid for it. So I won't fault any player for that. Um, but I do appreciate that they wanted to get the game going and set for the future. Um, a lot of players I heard in interviews they were talking about how they wanted to end the shift, which we all hate. That's a minute. All right. No yeah, one. Well, that that uh, that was great. Like, come on, like, like it's just. Like, what? what's it there for? Like, you're just, like, take it away. I'm like, no, like, it's all about, like, you want to take it away? You go at them. You go at them. And I'm glad they took that away. Me too. I mean, and honestly, what did the shift really do? It slowed down the game. It made it less exciting to watch. Um, you lose fantastic plays in the infield. Um, what would be a single back when Alan and I were – you know, kids growing up watching the game is now an out. Um, you players like DJ LeMahieu, who obviously can hit around the shift, or you know, our contact hitters like DJ LeMahieu, uh, Mike Trout, who's hitting for contact and for power. Um, I know there's more contact hitters out there, guys. I'm just I can only think. Oh of yeah, there's more definitely. But like Chris Taylor, that's another one. Chris Taylor, like. These players essentially just – they just lose what they're capable of doing. You, and so you, they're viewed as undervalued because essentially what the shift did, guys, is it created the three true outcomes. Players realize they have to start hitting up and try and get it over. Well, what that lead to? More strikeouts, uh, more box, more walks. Um, you either got a home run or you got nothing. And – while home runs are excited to see, are exciting to see, guys. We all love the home run, you know, the moonshots, the dingers, whatever you want to call them. They're they're great. We love yeah. it. But if it's just a one run home run, while it's still exciting, it's boring. If that's all you can do to create offense, like the best way I can explain it is this: as a Rockies fan, guys, is we see it in the Rockies lineup all the time. You hear it all the time. The Coors Field narrative, they should be hitting home runs. Well, you can't hit home runs if you're not hitting doubles anywhere else at Coors Field. And no one in the Rockies lineup is hitting doubles. It's either a home run or a strikeout. And that's part of what's been plaguing the Rockies for years. Trade Nolan Arenado wasn't the right answer. If you believe that as a Rockies fan, uh, hit me up. I'd like to chat. <laughs> Like you don't, you don't trade away, and I don't think there's any Rockies fan out there that seriously believes trading Nolan Arenado was a good thing. Um, and that's, but that's besides the point. Obviously, you can tell I'm still butthurt about it. But <laughs> the main thing with this whole lockout is this whole situation could have been avoided. We knew back in 2020 when the season was going on that relationships between owners and players were going to lead to a strike or a lockout in one way or another. Um, and it's kind of ridiculous. Like, okay, guys, if you think it was the owners that were the good guys and all this, raise your hand. 
I mean, I can't see what you're doing, but just seriously raise your hand. Because <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> if it was the player, like the owners that it were the good guys, it would have been a strike, not a lockout. Okay, there's a distinct difference there. And like the players, they weren't necessarily the best guys in this story, but they were better. They wanted the game to play. They wanted good things. They didn't want to Let's be honest, that's their job. But what you got to realize, and I've heard this from a lot of the national reporters, you know, uh, are saying the owners, they hated the fact that the 2020 season was played. Um, they did not want to play it. Everyone knew pretty darn well that they could have played 80 games and it would have been fine. Um, but no, the owners were, were uh, I don't know, how do we put it nicely, Alan? What were the owners back in 2021? Pig-headed? A little bit, yeah. That I would say that's appropriate. They, they uh, realized that they had the opportunity that baseball doesn't often get. They could have been the only sport going besides golf. And the golf audience grew. Why? They were the only sport playing. You could have grown your audience back in 2020 and had a lot of success. Why didn't the owners want to play in 2020, Alan? COVID. COVID. No fans. That gate revenue. Let's forget gate revenue. All these owners, they make millions of dollars from the TV deals, from the rights to broadcast games sold to ESPN and all those local broadcasters. The owners aren't hurting for money, guys. If they were hurting for money, they shouldn't own a baseball team. How can you expect to play a player $30 million a year if uh, you know, you're hurting for money because people are coming into the games? That, that, that doesn't ring true to me, and it doesn't make sense. If it makes sense to you, please explain it to me. I'd love to hear about it. But a lot of the reporters that I would listen to, a lot of the baseball minds I listen to, and we, they said it made no sense, and I don't. I tend to agree with that. Yeah, it's one of those where it kind of to me when it when it wasn't going to happen. The first two the two deadlines that never happened that just weren't met. Replaced. <laughs> yeah, it was just also like there wasn't no union. At, like there wasn't no like unity. Like where okay, we know what we want. Let's work on it. Kind of was like, kind of back and forth. Like, like that's what was my concern. Where I'm like, to be honest, yeah, we're starting in April. But if it would have started in June, it probably would have been a disaster because I'm not gonna watch at all. I'll watch, but I'm not gonna watch when it's the NBA Finals. That's just not gonna happen in the Pina household or in any household in, in, the, in the U.S. and around the world. That's just not going to happen. Or, or the World Cup would have been in the summer instead of November this year. We're watching the World Cup. I'm sorry. Like, that, that's just what's going to happen. And, and it's just baseball. They did themselves a favor. April, that's still plenty of time. I will still watch. I probably might watch the morning games because I'm graduating that day, FYI. But but still, 
like they save themselves big time out of this. But I also say that baseball has an opportunity to shape their game and grow that audience that we've talked about. Because here's the thing, those around our parents' age, they're going to watch no matter what. Our age, we probably, we will, absolutely. But then, how old is your brother, by the way? Uh, my brother's about 19 now at this point. Okay. Probably your brother's generation? No way. They won't watch if the game is not reachable. And you don't let them see, hey, here's our stars. Because it feels like baseball doesn't want to do that. But, hey, do it. Present your stars. Just like the NBA. Easy. Just like soccer. Easy. You still have your, your club, but also you present your stars and you, it connects you with them. So baseball has another shot. They better not mess it up this time. They better not. No, and I fully agree. And let's be honest. What what creates success for content creators? Consistency. Um, which sport, Alan, has the best consistency for creating new content fairly regularly? I would say, I would say football, the NFL. Okay, but they only play one day a week. I know. But the NBA, that's one. Yeah. I mean, the best, in my opinion, the best league, the league that should be taking advantage of the internet age and producing the most content is baseball. No other game is played every single day with new results. Yeah. Highlights every exactly. single day. I mean, by the time most baseball or hockey and basketball right now, they're kind of played every other day, which is great. Um, new content fairly regularly. Football. They're, they're kings because they've adapted so quickly. But let's be honest, football content is essentially, you know, you get one week to kind of prepare and talk about the big game, the game that week, and then you get the game and that's it. Baseball, it's consistently going. Every new day brings new highlights, new story threads, everything. Every other sport, it's kind of similar with the sport story threads and what's going on. I mean, the major difference is, is hockey and basketball. They're they're so they're om- they're half the length of, of baseball is, but and that helps them. I, and I don't, you know, with football being the way it is, like you would think, for content creation wise, it would kind of be lacking. But because football is so watched by so many people, it it doesn't matter essentially, right? Yeah, and that's what the NFL has done a good job on it. The NBA. They, they're always the first to adapt, and now it's like that time of season. Hey, we're talking basketball, basketball, basketball. We're talking, oh, the Lakers are their disaster, or we're talking, hey, James Harden and and Ben Simmons, or we're talking the Celtics researchers. Hey, there's always something because it's basketball, and it's like now there's like, okay, I don't know who's gonna win the finals. That that's the great thing about it. And soccer is like collapse, Paris Saint-Germain, with all that money in the world. And now they're talking several are several are, are going to be leaving because of the collapse. So stories like that, that's what baseball can do. But the problem is 
I think baseball doesn't want to be in that controversy as like, oh, this player or like this team. I'm like, it's a part of it, and it's actually going to be positive at the long run. Like you might say, oh, we don't want to damage a sport. Well, you damage a sport pretty much way before this. Mm-hmm. But this is your opp- their opportunity to, you know what, let's check ourselves. Let's, let's create an identity. They do have that identity, but I just think they need to use it for today and see, hey, we got an audience that, hey, they want to watch baseball. Let's give them that opportunity. And, Go away now. And, and also, hey, YouTube was Game of the Week. That gives them an opportunity. Oh, okay. That's someone to keep an eye on. That's someone to keep an eye on. They got to keep that going, though, because if they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, by that time, we'll see soccer surpass baseball in the future. Mm-hmm. That's definite. It's going really great right now. And why they're adapting to the internet age. They're letting those highlights, they're making it more accessible. They're letting the highlights play out. And fans can easily take a clip and tweet it without getting uh, copyrighted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and if they do, it's whatever. But, you know, it's that's what baseball, they're so strict with, you know, using highlights in videos that unless you're an approved content creator for the past little bit, you can't really use those highlights. They've been loosening up recently, but it's been so hard to any baseball highlights for any content creation video wise that it's ridiculous. And I think the main, and I mean, we, we're talking about that as content creators, let's be honest, but like, I think the main sticking point for me with all of this is the two deadlines that were given. They didn't need to be there. That was essentially the owner saying, we're done talking and you have till now to give us something we can continue talking about or we're done. And then they made progress. They both the deadline eventually no progress because the owners weren't listening the owners will never listen it's been proven time and time again in the 70s we had collusion i mean we had the strike in the 90s but that was because why the game sucked nothing for players was going on it, it just sucked. when has the players ever or when has the owners ever really been the good guys in this situation never never pretty much like the only thing you could say they kind of did okay with was integrating the game and bringing, of course, Jackie Robinson in. But even then, they took so long to do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And speaking of that, think about it. It's going to be the 75th anniversary of him breaking the color barrier. Think about that. Do you really want to not celebrate that? Yeah, exactly. So... I'm glad this got done, especially, hey, eliminating the ridiculous international draft, which that wasn't, that's not necessary. Like, what for? Really? Like, if they want to come, like, they could come without the draft or with it. That's their choice because that's basically taking away their freedom, how they want to come into the majors. They want to get drafted, great. Or if they want the huge money to as free agents, like, especially, especially for the Cuban players and the Japanese players. Imagine they would have gone to the draft. They probably would have not been – they probably would be on franchises that it's going to take a while. For a lot of these players, though, like someone in their mid-20s or late-20s, like, hey, 
I've been good in my home league. It's time for me to prove myself in the majors and help a team win. And, and it has happened. We've seen success. And Deki Matsui, one of them, he went to the Yankees, got is a World Series MVP. Jorge Soler, that's another one from Cuba. He's a World Series MVP. Still, or there's more like Shona Otani, the AL MVP. Players like that, it gives opportunities for them to thrive and still getting paid and not worried about, oh, are we ever going to win? They're in winning situations. And have, not having this draft, the international draft, is actually great news. I mean, I'd be for an international draft if it works similarly to the regular major league draft where you draft the prospects, um, you know, the younger guys, um, college graduate age to high school graduate age. So basically 18 to 25, let's say, um, if those players wanted to go through a process like that, um, I think a draft would work in that sense. But I think free agency for them is still the best option. Um, a lot of them, they go through the minor leagues anyway. So as long if there was a way to kind of make the two different options or a way to work cohesively, I think that would be the best way. Yeah. And I think it would would have worked, but I think it's just the problem is like a lot of these countries, like it's not like, oh, like we can get players right away. And even even the Dominican Republic, even hearing David Ortiz and Fernando Tatis Jr. say, hey, we don't have it's not enough. Like it may actually it may work at first, but then it's only gonna die down if you do that. So I I agree that I'm glad they don't have it. And could it work? Yeah, it could have, but I think in the long run, the game and it probably would have not worked at all in the long run. No, I don't I don't think it would have worked very well either. Um but yeah, like I think there's a way it could have worked, but it needs. I think if they want to do something like that, they need to sit down and continuously talk and work it out and find the best solution. Um, and none of this owners made a proposal today. Let's wait a week for the players to respond. No, you need to be sit down and continuously talk. And I think part of why it took so long is they. I don't know if they ever met in the same room. Um, and if they did, I think things would have gone a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, it's like to cancel games, whatever. If they were to miss Jackie Robinson, Robinson Day Allen, I think they would have lost more fans than they were really prepared for. Um, I agree. Yes. Rachel Robinson is still alive. Jackie Robinson's wife is still here. She's almost 100, you know, yeah. like, which is amazing. Like, woohoo, but she's not going to be around for much longer. So to, like risk missing that day be, for with her still being alive, Jackie's biggest supporter throughout all of that, like would have been one heartbreaking, but two just um, not worth it. And I, I'm glad the game's back, and hopefully it'll be we can start play regular season games by that time. But uh, it's it's definitely not worth it to miss that. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm so, for lack of a better term, about this whole baseball walkout situation. Um, As you all know, I'm 
really big into baseball, but this really upset me. It's like, do these owners not listen to us fans at all? And then, and then Alan, guess which owner was in charge of a lot of the negotiations for the owner side? I don't know. Who was it? I heard, I don't, I don't remember from whom, but I remember hearing a lot of reports about it, but it was Dick Monfort. Who? Dick Monfort. Do you know which team he owns? Is it the Rockies or? You made the guy in charge for the negotiations, a guy who would rather choose a general manager who no one in the fan base or team likes rather than the star player who just is trying to help the team he he's grew up, he basically was raised in the system with to win. He chose his general manager over his star player that was bringing him in that gate money. Like how I don't get how you could put that guy as the leader of those negotiations, unless you did not want to really talk to players. And that's what that move said to me. Yeah, it's that's fair enough. It's just, but hey, it happened. We're having it back. We like we could say, okay, they did the right thing by bringing baseball back. We're gonna have a regular season now. How they did it, we can discuss that another time. Yeah, and if it's the right thing, we can discuss that another time. But but hey. April 7th, I know we're going to have a day where we're going to do another prediction. And and this time, we're going to make sure Braden does not pick a team that is going to think will win the World Series only for them to miss the playoffs, which... Well, that, that happened. They extended the playoffs now. Well, not, well now there's no excuse now. So, so we, we will have that coming up. Uh, give it around two weeks. Three weeks possibly will as soon as we hear a lot of now free agent signings we will also talk about those as well and and what else Brandon what else are we going to have for the docket well we're hoping to get some interviews of Ukrainian players to come on tell their story of what's and how they're feeling on what's going on I mean if you guys know with any of the sports recovery so if you got any contacts out there that would you know, you'd feel would love to come on and talk to us. Great. Send them our way. Um, we're also hoping to get some uh, more interviews out there with some uh, beat reporters of these different teams. Talk to them about the history of these international players on their team um, and what, you know, what that's done for the team and the game in general. Uh, so, yeah, we got we got a lot going on. Uh, you know, sadly, Noble Sports Guy, he's no longer on our network, but we wish him the best. Uh, but yeah, you know that we the network hit a setback with him leaving, but hey, that's okay. We're, we're moving forward, and uh, yeah, let's we're coming back and we're going to make the content y'all love. You know, please reach out to us, let us know how we're doing, tell us how we can improve, share us with your family, friends, um, sports fans out there. You know, let us know how we're doing, tell us who, what who yeah. we should talk about next, but uh, yeah, definitely. Sorry to cut you off, but we're if you if you have you've missed content and what we talked about, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcast, we're there and we're not going away at all. 